Good evening, everybody. It's straight up six o'clock. Welcome to the Wednesday, August 16th, 2023, formal meeting at the Iowa City Planning and Zoning Commission. Um, for minute purposes, those in attendance are Quellhorst, Hench, Craig, Townsend, Wade, and Elliot. Padrone is not here yet. When she, uh, it, when she arrives, I'll just note that for the purposes of the minutes. Um, first off, before we get into the agenda, I want to welcome our newest member, Scott Quellhorst. And Scott, you want to give us a thumbnail? Just who is Scott Quellhorst? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, so my name is Scott Quellhorst. Uh, I'm from Iowa City. I went to West High and then got my undergrad and law degrees at University of Iowa. Uh, then I traveled around a little bit, held a, a few different jobs uh, in a, a few different cities for about 10 years. And then my girlfriend and I just recently decided to move back to Iowa City and bought a house in the Longfellow neighborhood. So we're really happy to, to be back here. And uh, I was looking for you know some way to uh, volunteer and contribute to local government. And this seems like a great way to do that. So I'm looking forward to working with you all. Outstanding. Well, thank you for volunteering and welcome aboard. And if there's ever anything we can do, feel free to reach out to any of us. We're all fairly friendly people, most of us. We <laughs> <laughs> had help you to do anything we can to get you oriented. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. You bet. Next item up on the agenda is item number three, public discussion of any item not on the agenda. If there's any member of the public who's present who'd like to address the commission for an item that's not on the agenda, now is your opportunity. Go ahead and go up to the podium if you'd like and we'll limit you to five minutes. Please uh, state your sign in and state your name and address and go ahead. Okay, I think this is where I, my comments fit. My name is Cecile Kernsley and um, I live on Summit Street and I was the um, first, I served two terms as the first president of the Longfellow Neighborhood Association when it first started and then recently completed two terms on the Historic Preservation Commission. In that time, um, I, uh, in, in reference to the um, proposed zoning amendment changes, I have a question. Um, in the last 20 years, the city has supported neighborhood stabilization programs such as the university program and created design, a design review process for infill, new infill properties. Um, so I'm wondering why was the plan that PNZ voted on August 2nd after one reading without consultation or communication uh, or input from neighborhood associations or the Historic Preservation Commission because these amendments affect neighborhood, particularly the older neighborhoods, everyone in these older neighborhoods um, completely, but yet there was no information about it. Also, the proposed zoning amendments speak very little to historic districts and what the impact on them might be um, from these zoning changes. And I would like to quote Marla Svensson, who was hired by Iowa City um, several times to survey neighborhoods to see if they qualified to become uh, designated historic districts. She said to me once something that has stuck with me ever since she said it, and that was, um, historic preservation begins with zoning. You don't have anything without that. So um, again, my question, why wasn't Historic Preservation Commission asked for input or consultation, and why were the, none of the neighborhood associations informed either? Okay. Um, just thank you for your input. Um, this is sort of, this opportunity is one-way communication. All we can do is listen to what you have to say. And for answers to your question, please contact um, staff, and they will be able to uh, give you a reply to all those. But so you're the commission you. that voted on it. 
but uh, um, it's not a give and take opportunity. It's just for us to hear what you okay. have to say and then staff can give it back to you with the answers All to right. those questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now we're on the rezoning item. Oh wait, is there anyone else who'd like to address the commission? I guess I should ask if there's a second person, second call. Seeing no one, we'll go on to item number four. This is rezoning items. This is case number REZ23-0006. The location is 715 North Dodge Street. This is an application for a rezoning from medium density single family residential with a historic district overlay to OHD slash RS8 to designate the property as an Iowa City historic landmark. Anne. Thank you, Chair. Ann Russett with Neighborhood. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry oh. I was late for the minutes. Uh, yeah. Maria is here so, now. I'm glad. That, yeah, <laughs> Maria Padron, Padron is present. Thanks, Maria. I forgot. Um, as the chair mentioned, this is a proposed uh, application for a rezoning to designate a property as an Iowa City historic landmark. Here is the location of the property. It's located at 715 North Dodge Street. This property is already within a historic district. It's a contributing property to the Brown Street Historic District. And you can see it's RS8 with that historic district overlay. The, the reason that we're considering this today as a local historic landmark it, is that it was the original location of the Emma Goldman Clinic. Um, and here's a couple pictures from, from the 70s that show the location. So even though, that, even though this property is already protected, it's within one of our local historic districts, the purpose of this landmark designation is to really share the story of um, feminist health care and the, the history of um, Emma Goldman Clinic. And they are going to be celebrating a 50th anniversary this year. Here's a couple photographs of the home. This is an example of Craftsman style catalog home. And again, it's a contributing property in the Brown Street Historic District. And as I mentioned, this um, designation relates to the mid-70s feminist healthcare movement in the United States. And it was the fourth feminist healthcare clinic in the nation, uh, the first three of which were located in California. So the current zoning designation is RS8 with a historic district overlay. The proposed zoning is RS8 with a historic district overlay, so the zoning is not changing. Again, the purpose is to, to share the story of this property. In terms of um, the commission's role in this review, it's generally to sh demonstrate that um, this desig landmark designation is consistent with the comprehensive plan. There are um, goals and objectives within the central district plan and within our historic preservation plan that speak to the importance of protecting historic buildings identifying historic resources significant to the community's past, and identifying and pursuing landmark designations for those properties. Staff did receive two pieces of late correspondence related to this request, both in support of the landmark designation. You have those before you, and those were also emailed to you earlier this week. Staff does recommend approval of REZ 23-0006, an application to designate 715 North Dodge Street as an Iowa City historic landmark, and rezone it from OHDRS8 to OH, OHDRS8. Um, and 
the last week at the Historic Preservation Commission meeting, they did unanimously recommend approval of this landmark designation. So after the commission makes its recommendation tonight, it will move forward to city council. So that concludes my presentation. Thank you, Ann. Does anybody on the commission have a question for staff on this application? Yeah. And I, I have a quick question. Um, can you help me understand the practical difference between the historic district overlay and the designation as an historic landmark? Uh, does that impose additional obligations on the owner of the property or, you know, sort of what's the, the practical impact of that classification? Because this is a contributing property in the Brown Street Historic District, there's really no, in terms of um, regulations, in terms of how the, the building is regulated, in terms of exterior modifications, those are the same um, with the with the landmark designation. So they would be required, as they are today, to um, get go through historic review for exterior modifications, and they would be subject to the same guidelines that the, the property is today. So the, the landmark designation is, is largely symbolic? Yes. Okay, thank you. Any other questions from members of the commission? <laughs> Chad, do you have anything? Billy? I did. There was something when in your recommendations that I questioned um, that it wasn't. Um, oh God, what was it? It must not have been important. All right. I'm sorry, we can't hear you. We couldn't hear that. I didn't say anything. I, there was something I wanted to ask. There was something in the uh, notes that said that about the historic. There was something about the historical designation for it and that it didn't apply to the history of it. And then when I read it, I thought, why is not what they've done there historical? But I could, I yeah. was looking back through, I thought I'd marked it in my pages, but I did not. Um, so I guess I can't ask the question. All right. Any other questions? Maria, Susan? Maggie? All right. Um, we'll go ahead and open the public hearing. Now is the opportunity for anybody in the public to address the commission on this, on this item. Uh, please limit your comments to five minutes or less. And if first we can, if we can have a representative from uh, applicant <laughs> representative. So if that, anybody from the Historic Preservation Commission, they'd be the applicant. Is there anybody present from the Historic Preservation Commission? Because there's two applicants, the City of Iowa City and Historic Preservation. Seeing none, we'll just open it up for the public hearing. So, and here, so when you come up, please sign in, state your name and address, and um, you'll have five minutes, and I'll time everybody when they're speaking. Okay. And I'll give you a courtesy reminder when your five minutes is up. I won't start the time until you start speaking. So my name is Jenna Lee Swaim, and I live here in Iowa City, and um, <clears throat> this is a big thing in my mind. and. It is symbolic, um, but more than that, it is really historically significant as a local example and a Midwestern example of an enormous movement in American social culture and healthcare. In the early 1970s, there was a whole crop of nonprofits that sprung up in Iowa City dealing with uh, teenagers, with medical care, with, uh, I know we can think of many other things, but it was a very rich and fertile and uh, vital time. And Emma Goldman was one of the major movers in that. Um, 
one thing that often uh, alerts um, preservation people, such as the staff, is when a building, and this is really the crux of local history, is how does it help tell a local story and how does it fit into a national context? So here we have a very local story. Many of us may have had experiences here or known about the excellent care and the pioneering spirit of this um, entity, but it fits into this national movement of um, a whole new way of delivering healthcare, and particularly women's healthcare. Um, and I am so excited about it receiving a, a landmark designation, which besides a symbolic sense of it, it just sets it, a, a, it's, I think there's, well, the old capital is a, a landmark, that's national, but it shows a special honor and recognition and significance of an individual building that really says something about the community and about the national history. Thank you. All right, thank you. Is there anyone else who'd like to address this application? Hello, I'm Kevin Boyd. I'm the former chair of the Historic Preservation Commission, but I'm no longer on the commission. Um, at my last meeting in June, I talked about the importance of telling a more full history of Iowa City and making sure that we preserve and share um, parts of Iowa City history that reflect our values and our community as it is today. One of the um, historic preservation um, work plan goals is identifying opportunities to highlight Iowa City's history as a leader on social justice, racial equity, and human rights, and preserve the stories and structures that help define that history. This nomination fits that objective, as well as the others that Ann highlighted. Um, this is a project that got started before I left the commission. It's an opportunity to add a uniquely Iowa City story, um, <clears throat> the story of these, these founders, radical college-age feminist badasses, who 50 years ago this month were preparing to open the Emma Goldman Clinic um, to shift the power dynamic in healthcare. As I researched the history of the Emma Golden, Goldman Clinic for this project, I was really in awe of these founders and what they were able to accomplish together and how radical it really was. And yet, how relevant that this fight for women's healthcare remains today. These founder story, uh, these, the founder story along with the property at 715 North Dodge, which is now a residential home again, is so much a part of the history, deserves to be among the property listed, properties listed on the list of Iowa City local landmarks. I urge you to support this landmark nomination. I also wanna thank the property owners, Gen Jennifer and Benton, for their open-mindedness and support of sharing their property's history. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who'd like to speak to this application? My name is Susan Chillo. I'm here representing the Northside Neighborhood Association Steering Committee. And I just want to say we heartily endorse this recommendation and we want to thank both the Historic Preservation Commission, this commission, and, and all those involved in the nomination. We are extremely proud that this landmark is located on the north side and we're very pleased that the property owners also joined in endorsing this recommendation. It uh, is indeed a major piece of history and, and we hope that people can remember it for many decades to come thanks to the action you're taking here today. So. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. Anyone else like to speak? 
Good evening, my name is Karen Covey. I live in the Mark Twain neighborhood. And I share a lot of history with the Emma Goldman Clinic. I started volunteering there in 1983 when there were threats of fire bombings. And that was a time when the anti-choice community was not interested in hurting people, but destroying property and disrupting uh, the provision of services in that way. So as a younger woman, I would stay up all night at the clinic and we would move around a lot so they could see that there were people inside. So the clinic has really, um, at this point, is a, a very important landmark nationally because now it is the oldest clinic, feminist clinic in the country. So some of those California clinics are no longer providing services. And so there is that nexus between the local importance of this form of healthcare and the specifics of the organization that is not only a healthcare provider, but a public educator and needs to do a lot of political education as well. So I was very privileged to um, be the director there for 10 years. And um, there's going to be a reunion in September, so I hope you'll see some of those community events that are available, um, panel discussions and movies at the film scene, that the property owners are supporting this, and it clearly meets the criteria that the city has outlined for such a designation. Uh, I hope you will unanimously and heartfeltly uh, support this nomination. Thank you. All right, thank you. Anyone else like to address the commission on this application? Hi, my name is Regina Bailey. I live in the Goose Town neighborhood. Um, as Karen and Kevin mentioned, the clinic is getting ready to celebrate its 50th anniversary. This will happen over Labor Day weekend. Karen mentioned some public events that you might be interested in, especially um, as we think about the history. Um, there will be a movie at Film Scene. It's a documentary at 3.30 on Sunday afternoon. It's called From One Place to Another. And it was made at the 20th anniversary. And it talks about an organization that starts out as a collective. Now, you're all probably very familiar with boards of directors and that kind of organizational structure. But think about people getting together, meeting, 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 um, consensus-based decision-making to start a clinic. And they started this shortly after <coughs> Roe v. Wade in 1973. In September, they were opening up a clinic. So even in that collective spirit of meetings and getting together, in nine months, they launched this um, the fourth uh, feminist clinic in the country. And so it's a real notable history. I mean, you mentioned that it's symbolic, but as Jenna Lee says, it's more than symbolic. It tells a story, an important story, um, about feminist healthcare and about women doing something. Because women's history isn't always something that we tell. Those aren't the stories that I heard growing up. And so as Iowa City, we can join together and tell this story by designating this landmark. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Anyone else? Good evening, everybody. My name is Jim Throgmorton. It's a real pleasure to follow a former council member and a former mayor to speak to you about this particular topic. I've lived in the Northside neighborhood for 28 years, and I live about a block and a half away from this building. And I never had any idea 
that the Emma Goldman Clinic started in that particular building. It's just down the alley from where I live. So it was a real treat to learn about it and discover that these young women got together back then to create this clinic and to do what they did. And then to discover that, what, three Molotov cocktails were thrown at the building uh, at one time, at least. So it shows the power of stories, right, Regina? Where are you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely shows that power. And if we don't know what happened, we can't begin to know who we are. So it's a real joy to be here and support this. I want to praise Kevin Boyd for proposing the idea. I want to praise the owners, Jennifer and Benton, for uh, enthusiastically uh, supporting the idea. I want to praise the Historic Preservation Commission and praise Ann and the rest of the planning staff for proposing it. Thank you. Anyone else like to address the commission on this application? Second call? Anybody like to go for a second time around for a two-minute limit? <laughs> I want to thank everybody for their um, comments. I just learned something from every one of you, and I really appreciate that, so thank you. So um, seeing no more public comment, we'll close the public hearing. Could I have an, a motion on this application? Move to approve. Got a motion by second. Elliot. Is there a second? There's a second by Craig. So we have a motion and a second. Discussion, we'll start since, Maggie, you made the motion. Do you have any comments? I echo what everybody who came to the podium said, and I appreciate you coming up and sharing the history and your support. Susan? You know, I came to Iowa City in 1970, and my high school counselor cried because I was coming to this den of iniquity. And uh, she wanted me to go to a, a Christian girls' school in Missouri that had 300 people there, all women. Um, anyway, I, I love Iowa City for many, many reasons, and the Emma Goldman Clinic is one of them. Any other comments by commission members? I strongly support this. I strongly support this, but is, is it too late for me to ask Mike one question that I was going to ask earlier? Go ahead. On the documentation that you sent to us on the landmark designations, it says that the staff does not find that there is enough information to consider the property meeting criterion F uh, at this time. And F is, has yielded or may likely yield information important to prehistory and history. Why would that not be appropriate? Yeah, that's a, that's a criteria that um, the Historic Preservation Commission evaluates, and our Historic Preservation Planner um, reviewed these criteria and determined that F didn't apply. Typically, F applies to things that are archaeologically significant. But how could they not see this as women's history? It, it, we're seeing it as women, women's history. We're not seeing it as um, prehistoric. I know there's the word or history in there, but I think F is typically used for prehistoric um, right. um, areas of significance. Any other further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor of this motion signify by saying aye. 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 Those opposed signify by saying nay. Hearing no nays, the motion passes unanimously seven to zero. Next item on the agenda is zoning code amendment items. Number five, case number REZ23-0005. This is consideration of an amendment to Title 14 zoning to reduce the maximum allowable height 
in the neighborhood stabilization residential are in S12 zone from 35 feet to 27 feet. Anne. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, again, this is a proposed amendment to our zoning code. Just to provide a little bit of background, um, this started originally with a meeting with representatives of the Northside neighborhood staff um, met with them several weeks ago. They had um, reached out to us regarding a change that they would like to see in the RNS 12 zone, and they would they had requested to reduce the maximum allowable height in that zone. Staff had re recommended that they petition city council with that proposed change, which they did. And at the June 6th work session, city council directed staff to prioritize the review of the proposed change. And it was our understanding of this change um, that it was a reduction of the maximum allowable height from 35 feet to 27 feet in the RNS 12 zone. Um, first, I wanted to provide a little bit of background on the RNS 12 zone. Uh, it was created in the 90s. In um, 1992, there was a pr project that was proposed to add more than one residential structure to a single lot in the RM12 zone. Um, owners of nearby properties petitioned city council due to concerns that allowing more than one structure per lot in the RM12 zone would be out of character with the existing neighborhood. And in 1993, the city council adopted the RNS12 zone to preserve the single family character of the neighborhood and prevent new multifamily residential development. In addition to the creation of that new zoning district, there were also several map amendments that um, started in 1993. This map here shows all the properties that were zoned from a multifamily zoning designation, whether it was RM12 or RNC20 down to the RNS12 zoning designation. Um, the last change, the last map amendment was actually to um, a portion of South Governor in this area right here where the, you can see the hatching, where there was a proposal to change the zoning from RNS 12 to RS 8, which was approved by City Council. In terms of the current regulations, um, all of the city's single-family and multifamily residential zones have a maximum height limit of 35 feet. We do have form-based zones which regulate height differently, but our single-family and multifamily residential zones have a maximum height of 35 feet. The RNS 12 zone allows single-family detached units. It allows duplexes throughout the block, so it allows mid-block duplexes and duplexes on corner lots. It also allows daycares, religious institutions, and educational facilities. It does not allow new multifamily uses, and the maximum height is 35 feet. This map here shows a prop, uh, map of the properties that are zoned RNS 12. The, the red boundary that you can see here is the Northside Neighborhood Association boundary. So these are all of the properties citywide that are zoned RNS 12. And you, the, they're identified in kind of that light brown color. And the hatching that you see here is um, indicating that those properties are also within either a historic district or a conservation district. And I just wanted to s speak a little bit about our historic and conservation district overlay zones. Um, uh, properties within these overlay zones require additional review. Um, properties are subject to 
the guidelines adopted in the Iowa City Historic Preservation Handbook. The maximum allowable height within these overlay zones is 35 feet, just as it is in the base zoning district of RNS 12. However, the handbook does include specific guidelines related to height and mass. Um, specifically, it states that new structures must be one and a half or two stories in height in the north side neighborhood. New construction and demolitions must be reviewed and approved by the Historic Preservation Commission. And with new construction, it's reviewed based on the surrounding neighborhood context and the mass and scale of adjacent buildings. In terms of demolition, demolition in historic districts is only considered where the building is structurally sound or irretrievable. So they are very, they're uncommon. Um, so these overlay zones provide a large degree of protection from future construction, demolition, and development changes. Um, this table here shows a breakdown of the properties that are zoned RNS 12 and whether or not they are located within a historic district or a conservation district overlay. Um, citywide, 75% of the RNS zoned properties are located within either an uh, historic or conservation district overlay. And within the north side neighborhood, 85% of the properties um, are within a historic or conservation district overlay. And again, we think it's important to note this because there are additional rules and processes which add a large, large degree of protection for these properties. Um, staff also reviewed demolition permits in the RNS 12 zone since 1992. There have been 17 demolitions within the RNS 12 zone. That's an average of one demolition every two years over the past 31 years. And the data suggests that redevelopment pressure in RNS 12 zones has decreased over time. And this, this may in part be due to the fact that 75% of these properties are either in a historic or conservation district, which would restrict demolitions. We also looked at conversions um, because it seems to be a concern of the residents of the Northside neighborhood. Um, since 1992, there have been 82 conversions from single family to duplex or duplex to single family citywide. Um, 38% are single family to duplex and 62% are duplex to single family. So what we're seeing more of is the conversion from duplex to single family than the other way around. For properties zoned RNS 12, there were 10 conversions from single family to duplex or duplex to single family. 70% um, 70, 70 of them were from duplex to single family. Um, and again, the RNS 12 zone does not allow conversions to new multifamily. And I guess even though, even though we looked at conversions, um, height limits will have no impact on future con conversions within this zone since conversions are dealing with existing structures and, and not new, new structures. We also did some field work and until we received um, the recent correspondence yesterday from the Neighborhood Association, we weren't aware that the Northside neighborhood's intent was to only apply the 27-foot requirement to new buildings, um, specifically new single-family and duplex uses. Um, based on council's direction, staff was concerned with the creation of non-conforming structures, and we discussed this with the Northside representatives when we had originally met with them. Um, and due to our concerns about creating non-conforming situations, we estimated building height using the best tool that we had available to us. And this table shows the results of, of that work. 
And again, these are just estimates, but um, based on the estimates, some buildings may become non-conforming. However, if the Northside Neighborhood Association wishes only to apply, apply the height standard, the 27-foot, to new buildings, um, a non-conforming analysis becomes irrelevant if it doesn't apply to existing structures. In terms of consistency with the comprehensive plan, the comprehensive plan does include a land use designation for single family residential stabilization with the description of preserving single family residential character and preventing further densification and conversion of single family residences to multifamily. Um, the land use designation focuses on housing types and density rather than the scale of development. It maintains a uh, single-family neighborhood and restricts the number of units by limiting housing types. And again, in all single-family residential zones, the maximum height limit is 35 feet. So there's been some determination that this uh, maximum ensures a complementary scale within our single-family neighborhoods. In terms of our conclusions, um, again, 75% of the property zone RNS12 are located within a historic or conservation district which requires additional review processes to ensure that new structures are not out of scale with the surrounding neighborhood. Based on the demolition data that we reviewed, um, redevelopment pressure is limited. Um, we had a conclusion based on non-conforming situations which may no longer apply if, this only, um, if we're only looking at applying this to new, new structures. And then the purpose of the RNS-12 zone is to maintain a single-family character, which has been interpreted as preserving single-family uses and preventing new multifamily uses. Height limits don't help preserve single-family uses or further the intent of the zone. Um, the current height limits are consistent with other single-family residential zones and therefore consistent with the purpose of the RNS zone to ma maintain that predominantly single-family character. We did receive some additional correspondence yesterday from the Northside Neighborhood Association. Um, they noted in the correspondence that they met for the change to only apply to new construction and only single family and duplex dwellings. Um, we, have, we haven't had much time to fully analyze this as we received the correspondence yesterday, but we do have some initial concerns that we wanted to highlight. First, um, if the reduced height limit only applies to new construction, it would address our concerns related to non-conforming situations, so that's a good thing. Um, our first concern is that RNS-12 zone allows other uses besides just single-family and duplex structures. It includes daycare uses, religious institutions. If the purpose of height regulations is to promote reasonable building scale and relationship between buildings, all land uses should be considered when establishing a height limit. Also, if the maximum allowable height varies between uses, um, a governmental purpose for that variation would need to be established. Um, the second concern is complexity and challenges with implementation. If a governmental purpose could be identified for having different regulations for different uses, the code becomes even more complicated and difficult to administer. It not only would have different height requirements for different uses, but uses that would typically be subject to our non-conforming provisions would no longer be subject to them. And um, existing structures, because existing structures would remain conforming. 
Lastly, regarding affordability, the Northside neighborhood document states that reducing the maximum height would reduce the pressure to demolish older and currently very affordable owner-occupied structures. Um, height regulations don't impact the balance of owner and renter properties. Um, zoning codes do not regulate whether structures are owned or rented. Um, I also wanted to note that in their correspondence that the Neighborhood Association has requested that this item be deferred. We received two additional pieces of late correspondence which you've received via email and I, you have hard copies before you, um, both in support of the Northside Neighborhoods proposal and their request. As for the staff recommendation, staff does not recommend approval of REZ 23-0005, a proposal to change the maximum allowable building height from 35 feet to 27 feet in the neighborhood residential stabilization RNS 12 zone. Um, also, staff has not identified a governmental purpose for the proposal for this only to apply to new structures and to um, only single family and duplex uses. If the commission wants to recommend approval, they would need to identify what that governmental purpose is for regulating height um, differently for different uses. Um, so with that, staff would also not recommend approval of a proposed change to um, the maximum allowable building height for new single family and duplex structures in the RNS 12 zone to 27 feet. In terms of next steps after a recommendation from the Planning Commission, this would go before City Council. And I'll turn it back over to the Chair. All right, thank you, Ann. For the request for deferral, was a re uh, particular reason request uh, stated other than the obvious that uh, gives staff time to come up with a governmental purpose in the application of that? Um, I think they, they wanted us to change our analysis. Well, think just to reflect their request that's on new construction only? Yes. Okay. Um, I have a couple questions for you. Um, so this is, uh, I, well, I wrote the question before you answered it. So the 35-foot limit would only apply to new construction per the request, which won't re result in any non-conforming status of existing buildings. Correct? As I understand it, based on the correspondence from yesterday, yes. Okay. And in the South District, the form-based code that we had previously passed, the height limit for that is 27 feet, is that correct? It's it's two and a half stories, and but there's also a, um, but it's, a feet maximum as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a question about the Historic District and Conservation District height limits. So the it's listed as 30 foot, 35 feet, but the handbook guidelines say one and a half to two stories for new construction. That seems incongruent. Has there ever been thoughts about making those two things um, match up better so there isn't because a guideline clearly carries no force of law and so you have a requirement and then you have a recommendation it seems like they're at odds with each other yeah I think that I think um, within the zoning code the 35 feet is a maximum so it's it's not it's not guaranteed you know we have um, other requirements in our zoning code where you know, it's a, a maximum density, for example, but each property isn't always gonna get to that maximum density. That's why it's a maximum. It's, it's not guaranteed, it's just the cap. And so I, I guess I don't think of those, the guidelines from the preservation handbook and the zoning code as inconsistent because the, the 
um, handbook doesn't recommend heights that are beyond the maximum allowable height of 35 feet. Okay. Um, it seems that the 35-foot um, limitation mainly was instituted to address grade issues on site. Is that generally a true statement? That's what um, the former senior planner noted in his correspondence. Um, we've had this 35-foot height um, limit from the 30s. So I don't know if walkouts were a popular housing style in the 30s, but it's... Um, that 35-foot maximum has been around for decades. Okay. And then on RNS 12 zoning areas, the heights, those, could you just give us, uh, just for the public purposes, how those heights are determined? Because it doesn't include steeples or spires, but could you just tell us roughly how those heights are determined of buildings? How the height is measured? Yeah, like where do, where's that measured at? So it's um, typically there's an average grade that would be calculated. Um, based on the elevations five feet from the proposed structure. So you'd calculate an average grade, and then you'd measure from that all the way up to the midpoint of the, the roof. And in most roof types, it would be the middle, the midpoint between the eaves and the, the peak. Okay. Um, all right. We'll open up for other um, commissioners to ask questions to staff on this application. Yeah, and I, I have a couple questions. Um, so as I understand it, one of the association's concerns is that the guidelines in the Iowa City Historic Preservation Handbook are, are just that. They're, they're guidelines. They're not binding. Um, so I, I'd be curious to know uh, what the process is for deviating from those guidelines and how often that happens. So the, they are guidelines. Um, the, the language in the guidelines is pretty strong, though. They um, use words like shall and must and um, the guidelines are also adopted by reference within our zoning code. Um, the guidelines include exceptions that can be considered for certain proposals within historic districts. Um, so I, I, it could be possible that the Historic Preservation Commission maybe would allow something more than two and a half stories um, based on the building type proposed. but. Um, Based on how the guidelines are implemented and we implement our historic preservation program, the, the guidelines carry a lot of weight and um, they're used heavily in our evaluation of the proposals for new construction or demolition or even just exterior modifications to buildings. So then would a decision to deviate from the guidelines fall to the Historic Preservation Commission? Yes. Okay. And are you aware of any instance where the commission approved a, a substantial deviation from the guidelines? There, there's um, exceptions within the guidelines that the Historic Preservation Commission can consider. So but, they are, they're pretty much limited to the exceptions outlined in the, in the guidelines. Got it. Okay. But other than the exceptions in the guidelines, um, I, I mean, what's in the handbook is, is generally respected. Yes. Um, and then I, I was also curious, uh, so I, I think one of the association's main concerns um, you know, is, is the potential to build uh, incongruently tall homes. Um, and I appreciated your analysis of uh, you know, structures that exceed 27 feet currently. Um, do we have any sense of how many of those are single-family homes? No. Um, that could be determined, but um, I don't have the number now. And 
so I, uh, I, I guess relatedly, and, and I suppose probably not, but do you, do you have any sense of how many of those might be in the uh, you know, current conservation or historic district overlay? How many existing single-family homes are in the conservation overlay? Uh, it exceed 27 feet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Maria? So one of the issues is a different height for different uses. Could you just have a rule that says 27, is, 27 feet is the maximum height in RNS 12 and not specify the use? Yes. Yes, you could do that. And what would be the implications of doing that? Um, well, the implications would, I, this was our original concern because we thought that was the original request is to make it a 27-foot requirement, and, and it would be the creation of non-conforming situations. Okay, so you're just saying for new. Um, you, could, you could do that, um, and then our concern related to kind of the complexity of how we regulate height and it um, only applying to new structures and only applying at certain points in time, like when the ordinance is adopted, all new structures are now 27 feet, but previous ones would, no, would be conforming. Um, it, it gets a little bit more tricky to implement. But also... I'm sorry, I'm, I have a comment related to that. You said that in, in that zone, RS-12, uh, was mm -hmm. There are, um, someone could make a church, right? Someone could build a church? A church, yes. So then if we say no more than 27 feet for everybody and someone wants to build a church, the church would not be able to be taller than 27 feet. Correct. Billy? Chad? Um, just a quick question. Do we have um, any other examples or mechanism where, other than bringing current to code, that we introduce like a new restriction based on a uh, new building has a new height restriction um, than the existing structure? So we s treat structures differently within the same zoning? Um, so are you asking, do we have different height? Well, in other parts of the code, are there situations where we regulate height differently based on use? Well, like in, in this example, if they're looking for uh, on new new structures, there's a new threshold of 27 feet <coughs> existing, um, retains 35. So I guess I answer my own question because essentially any code, this would be a code change overall for RNS 12, right? So anything going forward would fall under that 27 or less, regardless of usage. Yeah, if that's if that's the direction the commission wished to go, yeah. Any further questions? Seeing none, um, I know there's a request for deferral out there, but since we have people in the audience here, let's go ahead and open the public hearing so we can get feedback from everybody, and then we'll entertain a motion on how to proceed after the end of the public hearing. So we'll open the public hearing, and is there anyone who'd like to address this issue? And even if you've already spoke, if you'd please just identify yourself again, please. Yeah, I'm, I'm Susan Schlow. Again, I'm a member of the steering committee of the Northside Neighborhood Association. And Anne, thank you for pulling this up. 
Um, we're going to kind of truncate our plans because it's obvious uh, you all spent some time reading our initial proposal and we really appreciate that. Um, but I'm going to just do some quick slides here to uh, refresh your memories of our, some of our main points. Um, I'm going to do maybe eight of those and then we're going to pause it. Anne and Jim Throgmorton is going to come up and talk about some of the staff objections. He will also address the request for deferral. Uh, and then my colleague Sherry DeGraw has some additional um, illustrations that I think will help under, help you understand how those buildings are measured, uh, which is, it's, it's not, um, uh, it's not an initial thing that you would figure out without being uh, an expert. Anyway, um, that's a little off, but yeah, so title slide, easy. And I thought that our initial proposal had made clear that this was for new residential structures, but maybe we weren't clear, so I apologize if that kind of felt like it came from um, left field. Um, so this is really about new infill in RNS 12 districts and specifically the north side, which we really support uh, as long as that infill is, feels appropriate and particularly today when this is a hot topic for all of us, when it can create affordable housing. But we also want to preserve and strengthen the character of these, of these neighborhoods uh, and to quote the, the, uh, the plans, infill development that is compatible and complementary to surrounding neighborhood and creates a healthy balance of rental and owner-occupied housing in all neighborhoods. So let's go to the next slide. I'm not sure why we're... Can we do something about this? Can you reduce the size? We have such pretty pictures. <laughs> I'll keep going, Anne, if you fuss with it. So this is just, you know, what's wrong with these structures? Um, I'm sorry, I can't edit it and keep it going at the same time. Okay. I'm not I'm, I apologize. I don't know why it's not fitting on the screen. Okay. Um... We'll just keep going and you'll have to use your imaginations, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, the next slide addresses what we, uh, our first objection to the 35 foot height because it was our understanding that um, it, they were, this height limit was initially designed for uh, structures on slopes. Can you go to the next slide? Um, and for walkout basements. Um, next slide after that. But there are few, if any, sloping lots in the north side of these other RNS 12 districts. These are older and flatter areas of town. So it's kind of a moot point for us. And again, raises the question of why 35 feet uh, is allowed in these, in these neighbors, neighborhoods. Next slide. We believe that this, uh, this impacts, negatively impacts affordable housing because it gives an incentive de to developers uh, to convert existing single family structures and demolish them and replace them with larger structures with larger occupants. We've seen this happening before. Um, we've got some examples in the north side of smaller, older houses being replaced with large single family, unable to sell, now they've become rentals. So we're just concerned about that development pressure. Um, and even though it's true, uh, and thanks for your research about the number of demolitions that have happened in recent years, I think we all know that past performance is not always a predictor of what happens in the future. So that's a concern for us. Um, and the next slide just repeats uh, some of these points we've made about driving up property values and, and making these neighborhoods less affordable. Um, 
we believe that um, this, the 35-foot height limit um, thwarts the purpose of the zoning, uh, which is to stabilize existing residential neighborhoods um, and to promote a reasonable building scale and relationship between buildings and provide options. What you can't see there is an illustration of a, of a very tall building placed to a very short building um, in the north side. And you can continue. Sorry. <laughs> um, Technology, we love it and we hate it. it Let me try something real quick here. Okay. I assume you all have a oh, copy there of this. Go. Oh, Yay. there we go. Is that better? Awesome. Yes. Okay. And since, oh, and here we are. And since we have the technology issues, I'll give you another minute. So. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I think Jim has more important things to say. But yes, there's there's an example of of, uh, of a structure that that doesn't really al allow for uh, light and air between between buildings. And next slide. And we've done some research on the north side, and, and it's clear the buildings in, in the north side are overwhelmingly one, one and a half, two, and two and a half stories. We couldn't find any three-story buildings on the north side, and few of the other buildings approach that 35-foot limit. So this really, 35-foot buildings would be an aberration in this part of town. Um, we feel that this is, it's out of character of the neighborhood, and it may make the neighborhood less attractive at a time when the city is hoping to bring more people in to close in and, and uh, to, uh, uh, patronize schools like, like Horace Mann. And then let's go to that next one and then we're gonna pause for a while. We also believe that this 35 foot, fight, uh, 35 foot height limit and new construction of residential um, violates many of the, what city is saying in its comprehensive plan, its strategic plan ab about wanting to preserve central neighborhoods and the character of those neighborhoods. So we're gonna leave it there and then I'm gonna, if it's, all, if it's all right with you, invite Jim to come up and talk a little bit more about about some of the points that Anne and her colleagues have been making. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Anne, for perfect it out. timing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just to remind you, my name is Jim Throgmorton, uh, and let's see. What I want to do is focus attention on the staff's report and our response to it because we have uh, s several concerns about it. The report, in our judgment, makes a few key mistakes and misjudgments which lead to inappropriate conclusions. First, we did not petition the City Council to consider reducing the maximum allowable heights in the RNS-12 zone from 35 to 27. Those numbers are all right, but that's not exactly what we petitioned. Our request focused exclusively on reducing the maximum allowable height for single-family and duplex residential structures in that zone. Had the staff invited us to consult with them, I know they're busy, so I don't want to make this sound too critical, uh, to consult with them before writing their report, this distinction could have been clarified and any other errors corrected. Second, influenced by the error, this error, the staff reports that 117 or more properties currently exceed the proposed 27-foot height limit. 
They correctly observed there are 500 properties in the RNS 12 districts, 313 of which are within the north side. But instead of using these total numbers when determining how many properties currently exceeds, exceeded the proposed height limit, staff should have used the number of single family and duplex properties when counting. In our petition, we reported that only 188 of the 313 parcels located in the north side are occupied by single family structures, two family conversions, or duplexes. Even if three, four, and five family conversions are included, none of the 213, that is 188 plus 25 structures, are greater than two and a half stories. So in our judgment, the nonconformance issue goes away. Now on that, uh, as a sidelight, I'd say Ann's presented some new information tonight, which we would want to take into account, and presumably you would as well, uh, which might influence uh, our collective judgment about what to do. I also want to note, note that there's a property inventory uh, viewer available through the city assessor's office that I've been going through in great detail. And it identifies every single single family slash owner occupied property in the north side neighborhood and other parts of the city. The odd thing is it, it identifies them as single family slash owner occupied when a large proportion of them are not occupied by owners but occupied by renters. It, it's really quite puzzling. But that's a digression. Third, the staff estimated building heights using 2021 pictometry data from Connect Explorer, which I have no experience with whatsoever. I'm sure they and, Ann and others know how to use it. Volunteers from the north side actually measured the taller buildings. They walked or biked by every property in all of the RNS 12 zones, including those outside of the north side. They identified the taller houses and duplexes, and after measuring some apartment buildings for comparison's sake, they then went back to the taller buildings with a laser measurer and determined the height from the grade to the midpoint of the roof pitch. These volunteers knocked on the door of each house to tell residents the volunteers were doing research on houses in the neighborhood and asked if they could take some measurements. Every resident they asked granted permission. The volunteers then placed the laser device next to the house to obtain accurate measurements. And Sherry DeGraw is gonna show you how to do that in a few minutes. Fourth, the staff emphasizes that 85% of all properties in the north side are located in historic and conservation overlay zones. And the guidelines in the Historic Preservation Handbook state that, quote, new structures must be one and a half or two stories in height, unquote. We would emphasize, however, that these guidelines do not have the force of, of law. The zoning code is what matters when it comes to heights, and it is important for the guidelines and the zoning law to be consistent with one another to avoid having two different height limits in the same zone. Fifth, the staff reports there have been only 17 residential demolitions in the RNS 12 zones over the past 30 years. We agree. However, we note that 14 of these, those structures were single family and 14 out of 151 is 10% 
of the neighborhood's current stock of single-family properties. Moreover, the relative paucity of demolitions does not necessarily reveal a lack of development pressure. Over the years, 25 properties have been converted from single-family to three, four, or fa five-family structures. The staff also emphasizes that the Historic Preservation Handbook allows demolitions only when a building is structurally unsound and irretrievable. Yes, but years of neglect and disinvestment can make a building unsound and irretrievable. And the staff essentially dismisses our concern for the small, inexpensive, single-family structures located in the southeastern part of the north side neighborhood, the ones that are outside of the historic preservation and conservation districts. And even more important, the past does not necessarily presage the future. Relying too heavily on past trends is like looking in the rear view mirror to know where you are headed. Just two weeks ago, you approved staff proposed amendments to the zoning code, we were in the room, right? Uh, to the zoning code, which are explicitly designed to increase the supply of housing by making it easier and more profitable to build new structures. So if in the past there's not been a large amount of development pressure, you just voted to increase the pressure. So you need to take that into account for sure. With this in mind, it is especially important to look at the mix of owners of the 363 residential properties located in the Northside neighborhoods, RNS 12 district, plus the part that extends out on the southeastern part of the Northside. 42% are owned by 66 or more limited liability companies and other incorporated entities. LLCs owned by one individual own 13% of the 363 residential properties. One family owns at least 17 of the RNS-12's residential properties. And a third entity owns another 16. Together, these three owners possess 23% of all the residential properties in the Northside area's RNS-12 district. They are likely to have, no surprise here, considerable influence over what gets repaired, what gets demolished, and what gets built in the RNS-12 districts. A few more points here. Six, the staff indicates it is not aware of any evidence that the proposed height limitation would increase housing affordability. We never said it would. What we did say is that reducing the maximum permitted height of new single family and duplex structures would reduce the pressure to demolish older and currently very affordable owner-occupied structures. Any new structure will be far less affordable than an existing structure. Seventh, the staff states that the existing 35-foot maximum height is consistent with all single family and multifamily residential zones in Iowa City. This is not true. You know, but and describe this differently to you. The form-based code for the South District limits heights to two and a half stories, or 30 feet at the peak of the roof, essentially 27 feet to the midpoint of a sloped roof, which is what we're asking for. Last, the, sta the staff states, quote, it has already been determined that 35 feet is a height that ensures a complementary scale for the district. For, for the neighborhood, 
or I'm sorry, for the RNS-12 district. We disagree. The RNS-12 zone was specifically drafted to preserve the existing single family character of certain neighborhoods. Section 14, 2A, 1E further stipulates that the maximum height standards in the code are intended to, quote, discourage buildings that visually dominate other buildings in the vicinity, unquote. The current 35-foot height limit encourages redevelopment with out-of-scale buildings that can have harmful effects on neighboring properties. It therefore undermines the purpose of the RNS-12 district um, zone. Permitting new infill structures at that height would make it more difficult for RNS-12 neighborhoods to retain a healthy balance of affordable rental and owner-occupied housing without compromising the character of the neighborhoods. So it goes to the heart of the purpose of the RNS-12 district. Given these facts, here, I'm gonna to touch on the, the, the request for a referral point. Given these facts, we ask you to approve our request to reduce the maximum permitted height of single family and duplex structures from 35 to 27 feet. However, if you feel uncertain at this very moment, we urge you to defer voting, to instruct the staff to, connect, to correct its report, and to finish considering our proposal at probably your next meeting or maybe the one after that. We would be eager to work with staff to ensure that both parties agree about the facts that matter. Thanks, I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. And Thank you. Jerry, are you up next? So my name is Sharon or Sherry DeGras, and I have a few visuals after, I'm not sure how many slides there are after that one. Okay, so not the color one, but the one that's all text before it, yes. So in their response to the NNA's height change request, Staff expressed concern about creating non-conforming situations. What follows are some images that illustrate why we believe non-conformance is not an issue. And the first thing I'd like to show you is the device that we used. Um, it's a, a Bosch laser measurer and it's a high precision device. If you set this on the ground and point it up at something, it sends a laser and measures. So maybe I'll demonstrate. Right here it says that from the floor to the ceiling, it's 15.49 feet in, you know, inches. Okay, so, whoops. Um, and then it's fine to advance to the next slide. Uh, so with, with this, as there was a question earlier, just to clarify how height is measured for a building, what you do is you, if you look on the right hand 
structure with the little A-frame roof. If you see the dotted line that goes across the full width of the building, those are the eaves. And then if you spot the apex of the building, that's the highest point, whatever that measurement is in length, you divide that by in half, and where you see a line that goes vertically up with the number 24 with a little arrow, and it cuts across and shows the midpoint, that represents what we call the height of a building, and that's what works for the zoning codes when we describe what the height of a building is. Um, when you have a flat top roof, you can see how much taller a 35-foot flat top roof structure would be than, say, the typical one-and-a-half to two-and-a-half story structures that you find in the north side and RNS 12 uh, single-family or duplex structures. And it's fine to go to the next. And so basically what I'm showing you is if 27 feet seems constricting and making things too difficult, no, it's really not. There are very many tall buildings that are single-family or duplexes already existing in the north side, and our proposal is just to talk about single-family and duplex for infill. Um, so with this, it just demonstrates that you can build a tall building. If you, The measurement at the eaves is 27 feet. Um, it's fine to go ahead. Um, this is a, a duplex on Jefferson Street on the 900 block, and it's relatively new construction. Um, this new duplex on Jefferson Street is 31 feet to the peak. It's about 27 feet at the midpoint, but we do not have an exact measurement. If the base level was sunk, if the basement level was sunk a little more, this would fit better with its neighbors. The slide also demonstrates that under the current 35-foot height limit, this building would be much taller compared to its neighbor. And you can see it's, it's significantly taller to the building on the left. Um, next. And this is 225 East Fairchild. This historic house on Fairchild is one of the tallest that we could find in the RNS 12 zone. The main part of the house is 27 feet tall to the midpoint of the gables on the front. The back and sides, back and sides of the house, but there is a pyramidal shape roof that goes up a bit higher, so the house would likely exceed the proposed 27-foot height limit. However, this is not an issue regarding nonconformity, as the zoning code allows historic structures to be rebuilt to the previous design, even if they are totally destroyed. And then next. Believe it or not, this is a single-family house. This large addition to a house on South Lucas Street is sli slightly exceeds the proposed 27-foot height limit. Even so, it's not clear that this would be non-conforming because height is measured based on average grade. Regardless, we ask if this would fit into a neighborhood, um, an RNS 12 neighborhood or a neighborhood you'd want to live in. The duplex on Fairchild Street is quite large compared to its neighbor, its neighbors, which itself is a large house. It is 35 feet tall at the peak, but less tall at the midpoint. 
Because of the odd roof line, it's difficult to give an exact height for the zoning purposes, but it appears that even this large structure complies or comes close to the 27 feet proposed height limit. And this house on 911 Washington Street, it's just one of the tallest structures that we could find in the RNS 12 zone. And because it's multifamily, it would be exempt from the request that we have. And next. Um, this, there's actually a typo here. It's really 112 and 114 North Governor. And this is new construction that conforms with the, the height request that we have, and it looks good and is appropriate for north side or RNS 12 zones. And that's it. So we respectfully request council to amend zoning, the zoning code by reducing the maximum building height for new single family and duplex structures in the RNS 12 zones from 35 to 27 feet. Thank you. And if you have any questions. Thank you. Anyone else like to speak on this application? Hi, my, my name is Linda McGuire, and I'm almost a 50-year resident of the North Side. Um, with the North Side Neighborhood Association got started uh, when we successfully prevented a helipad from being on Mercy Hospital in 1989, and we're hoping we don't have to fight that one again. Um, but um, I, 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 I want to point out that this was a request from the Northside Neighborhood Association directly to city government to engage in planning um, for our neighborhood. And um, we really appreciate the staff having to step up and doing do it on a on an expedited um, schedule. Um, but, but I want to make two points. First of all, that I think that the, the objective measure of 27 feet is really good when you consider that many of our lots in the north side are 40 feet wide. If you lay me down eight times, that's how wide our lots are. And so what we're asking is that um, that especially in the middle of the block, that we don't exceed, we don't put up needle structures. The other consideration is what we call single family. We cannot put occupancy limits in our houses, but what are called single family houses in, in the north side are packed with as many renters, many of them are, as possible, which drives up the um, the, the, the value of the lot, and so therefore, if they're demolished, the lot itself, there is a connection to affordability. And I just, it, it's a complication that is way beyond what we're talking about right now. But my, my main point is the fail-safe that the staff has, has said that we already have existing processes to regulate heights in our neighborhood is insufficient and painful and expensive. If we have to, every time there is a proposal to put something in, fight 
the height requirement of 35 feet because it doesn't fit in the character of our neighborhood, that's an expensive process for neighbors, for staff, for commissions. I did a fight like that next door um, and had to go to the Historic Preservation Commission to keep a demolition, 319 North Van Buren Street, or is it 219? I can never remember how many processes there are for that. So what we're asking is the beginning of a form-based code in the north side with height requirements. Um, so, so I would support the North Side Neighborhood Association's proposal for height requirement. And if you must defer, please understand that we are approaching you to come up with some approach that for planning for the inevitable development in our neighborhood that preserves affordability, walkability, access for elders, families, whatever, um, and, and it's, it's a complicated process, and thank you for your service and our consideration. Thank you. I don't see a place to sign in anymore. Somebody might, uh, Sharon took the list, it looks like. I kind of got you, except for that. All right, good. She did it. Anyone else like to address the commission on this application? Once again, I'm Jenilee Swain. Um, so, um, for several years, I was a member of the Historic Preservation Commission, which has participated in the city's past planning efforts regarding downtown and the central, central planning district. But tonight, I'm a board member of the local nonprofit Friends of Historic Preservation and we encourage you to support the Northside Neighborhood's proposal to amend the height standards for RNS 12. Historic preservation is not about preserving every historic building. It is also about preserving the character of Iowa City neighborhoods. Even preservationists acknowledge that not all buildings can be saved, repaired, or salvageable, and may be replaced with newer structures. However, when that happens, the new buildings should be compatible with their neighbors. New buildings should not be so tall as to lord over the existing streetscape. We have all seen, in many places, streets in no neighborhoods where a new building uh, lords over the, as I said, the streetscape. And I hesitate to use this phrase, but actually where a taller building sticks out like a sore thumb. Taller buildings interrupt the rhythm and the scale of nearby houses that are of consistent height, and they diminish the sense of time and place that appeals to so many people. The height incentive to build taller buildings opens the door to developers willing and able to invest in tear down and build up, 37 feet up, uh, because Taller buildings means more units and bigger rental income, income or higher purchase prices. In turn, such a strategy decreases the number of smaller houses that are affordable to homeowners. Where then does this leave the residents who call these neighborhoods home, the residents who choose not to or can't afford to tear down and build bigger, 
who appreciate the consistent scale, who depend on a good supply of older housing stock, and who enjoy the natural light that could be blocked by taller buildings. As you know, the city established RNS 12 to conserve an area for folks who want to live within walking distance to downtown. The city has other areas, uh, South Gilbert and south of Burlington for taller structures. The north side, whether the parts in a district or those that are not in a district, is the largest older neighborhood in Iowa City and many consider it the core of older Iowa City. Why not then be proactive about the old, protecting this older neighborhood, whether it's in a historic district or not? So here's the question. Don't properties and neighborhoods in the north side that are not in a district, don't they deserve the same considerations for quality of life to those that are district, in districts that are subject to guidelines? Perhaps you've heard the expression the greenest building is the one that's already built. Here's one reason why. A building 60, 70, or more years older is, was built by lumber from old growth forests. It's denser and more durable. Tearing down houses means that this still valuable old growth lumber ends up in the landfill. Hardly a climate action goal. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Hey there. I'm, I'm Jared Note. I live on Market Street and kind of a section that's not in the north side district. Um, uh, anyway, uh, thanks so much for all the work you all do. Uh, I'm a relatively new resident. I've been here since 2020. And um, I think what I was like most compelled about, about this particular proposal was less about the character in terms of the physical character of the neighborhood. I'm sure that's important to some people, but for me it's Really about the community and the character of the place. And one of the things that's so attractive to me about, about this particular space is that there are so many different types of people and family settings and communities. And, and part of that, that ability to preserve that community and equity, I think, is to have these diverse, sometimes littler buildings that allow people to find a place that is affordable. And families, as an example, change. People are, have divorces or perhaps they get widowed. And finding space within that same community so kids can stay in schools contigu continuously is, I think, an important, important part about having a vibrant, diverse community. And that makes Iowa City so special and makes that neighborhood so special. And I think that you know what this, this some of these addendums that were late submissions submit, um, uh, lately submitted do a beautiful job of is you know providing nuance that perhaps was not in the initial to my mind in the initial uh, request or 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 the staff's work um, where affordability it seems to my mind is not a one well I heard, I respect that best practice might be that height restrictions aren't great for affordability. I can, that seems, there's a reasonableness to that, but I think there's also a reasonableness to allowing for the diverse type of housing stock to, re to be preserved. And part of the way of making that preserved, as others have said more eloquently than I, is to 
make, to reduce an incentive to redevelop in a way that is not going to force folks out because they can no longer you know, afford to rent a home that has either multiple rental folks in it uh, and so forth. So um, I think as, as you're doing the hard work of, of contemplating this pretty complex, for my, it, it seems like relatively simple in some ways, but in some ways there's a lot of complexity here. Um, I just ask that maybe as you're figuring out like what would be helpful to preserve some of the community and the diversity of the community and sustainability of the community, um, you, you'd consider perhaps how this height restriction might disincentivize the type of redevelopment that might um, force folks out who might otherwise want to, to stay in that community. Um, so thanks again for all the work you'd all do. And Jared, could you sign in? Yeah, of course. Uh, that way we make sure your name's spelled correctly in the minutes. Thank you. Anyone else like to address the commission? Uh, Kevin Boyd, um, I love local history, so I'm gonna talk about history for a second here. Uh, tonight we meet in Emma J. Harvett Hall. I think many of us know that she was the first woman to become mayor of Iowa City. But what we may not know is it took 37 years for a second woman to become mayor. Uh, again, Thelma Lewis, she was the and she was the first mayor to govern in this chamber, right? So she sat right where you are and, 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 and wielded the gavel for the first time. Thelma, more than anyone else in Iowa history, is the reason we have professional staff um, city staff, um, rather than political appointees. She co-chaired the campaign, and I suspected most of the work, um, to get the referendum passed to get the council manager form of government and secured professional staff here in Iowa City. She was ready to retire from her, her term on council, but the anti-council manager forces were running a slate of candidates, and uh, this time her seat would be the critical seat on the council kind of overriding the referendum. Thelma knew that she was a strong enough candidate to win again, and she did securing for a second time the, the professionalization of staff and the council manager form of government. At the end of her, her term on council, Thelma gave a, a bit of a farewell address to the Pilots Club in the ballroom at the Hotel Jefferson. She made several accurate predictions about issues that Iowa City would face over the next decades. It's really remarkable to read. Um, Thelma, the first woman who, secured, who first secured and then saved professional city staff, shared a vision for how staff and the city would work with this new kind of professional staff that was growing in size. Um, she believed it was important for citizen groups, neighborhood associations, groups who cared about things in the community would come together with a thoughtful proposal, bring it to the city staff and city council, and, find, and, this, and partner with the city staff to find a workable solution. That was her vision, the vision of the woman who was responsible for having professional staff here. And so, um, you know, she in that ballroom reminded future decision makers in Iowa City that they should, that she, that, that she, that they should, the decision makers should listen to, to civic organizations, neighborhood groups, and to encourage city staff to find workable ways to try to accommodate what they're trying to achieve. And so uh, tonight, here in Emma, Harvett, or Emma J. Harvett Hall, where Thelma Lewis once wielded got her gavel, I would encourage you to kind of channel Mayor Lewis tonight and support the citizen-led groups. And if you were concerned that there's um, 
some details in here that still need to be worked out. Channel her some more and, and encourage um, staff and the neighborhood association to come together to find uh, a reasonable solution and, and defer until that time could come. So I appreciate it. I love sharing history and an opportunity to do that uh, happened again tonight. So thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Second call. Seeing no one approach, we'll close the public hearing. Is there a motion from a member of the commission on how they'd like to proceed on this item? Well, I'm gonna um, go with Kevin's suggestion that we defer um, and hopefully the, the Northside neighborhood and the city can come together with a solution. I'm, I'm very much for the 27 height. And do you have a date um, for deferral to when you would like to reconsider this? I do not. We have September 6th, September 20th, or October 4th. October 4th. Gives them time. Might want to ask Anne what she thinks staff would have to do because um, I'm presumed that you want staff to have time to be able to see what the governmental interest in this is and come up with some recommendations. October 4th is also the day we're bringing back the accessory apartment item. Mm. So what we could do that if you're okay with having both of those on one agenda. What about the next, next meeting? What's the that next date? I don't think you want to do that. The second meeting in October? Yeah, we'll just, we can just say the second meeting in October. Um. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. Okay. I don't think we need, would need more time than that. Maggie, is that your motion? Yes. So we have a motion. Is there a second? I second. We have a second by uh, Townsend. Second Townsend. Discussion? Scott? Yeah, I, I'd like to um, make a, a couple of points and maybe some things to consider uh, during the deferral process. So. Um, I, I'd really like to thank everybody because it's it's clear that um, you all you know thought very hard about this issue. Uh, staff put together uh, a very detailed and conscientious report, um, and the New Neighborhood Association also you know obviously put a great deal of effort uh, into their submissions. Um, and you know it's it's evident that they care very deeply about historic preservation, um, you know, which is something that's very important in. Uh, the strategic plan as well as the central district plan. Um, you know, it's also something that I can relate to living in an 1880s house. Um, that said, uh, you know, I, I think one thing that would be helpful to me to understand is how effectively the uh, historic and conservation overlays currently function. Um, I, I, I have some concerns about, you know, sort of carving out a unique height limit that is applicable to uh, a unique and limited zone that's inconsistent with height limits in other residential zones. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, historic preservation and preserving the integrity of Iowa City's neighborhoods is also uh, vitally important and, um, you know, is, is uh, a priority in the strategic plan. Um, so to that end, when, uh, you know, we defer and uh, the association works with staff, I think it'd be helpful to understand um, you know, both how effectively um, the current uh, historic preservation scheme uh, is, uh, as well as, um, you know, whether there are any uh, sort of alternatives to this uh, 
uh, you know, sort of limited uh, height carve out for the RNS-12 zone um, that we might consider that would get us to the same place. Um, and in particular, you know, I, I, the two things that I would have in mind would be uh, strengthening the provisions that underlie the historic and conservation overlay zones, um, or, you know, perhaps adding additional properties to those zones if we feel that it's appropriate. Any further commission discussion? I guess I'll just say, um, uh, I mean, I, I appreciate everybody coming. I appreciate the, all the correspondence on it. Um, I, I guess my position is, um, you know, I think it's demonstrated to this point. Uh, all the overlays are um, performing their goal or entire uh, in, intent, um, as demonstrated by new developments. Um, the new developments are kind of fitting within the goals of the existing neighborhoods. Um, so uh, introducing a new complication or a new special consideration, um, uh, I, I guess just gotta make sure that overall that makes sense. Um, and also in speaking to look in the rear view mirror, um, you know, I'll be curious on if this, uh, if this uh, lower height restriction was in place generations before, um, what would the neighborhoods look like now as a result of that? The neighborhoods we enjoy now might not necessarily be the, the same neighborhoods if uh, generations before implemented that. Further discussion? I think I, I do not support um, the, the feral, um, and I also wouldn't support reducing the height. I think Anne made very good points, and reading the staff uh, report, I, I think to me 35 feet wouldn't affect the human scale of the neighborhoods, and mainly um, when I read the last point, that the current high limitation is consistent with other single-family residential zones. Susan? Um, I share some of the feelings that others have already expressed that, uh, you know, we've heard from the north side neighborhood, but the RSN 12 zone is actually a pretty small part of the, of the north side, not a small part, but a significant part, but it's certainly not even half of the north side neighborhood. And we haven't heard from anybody in an RSN 12 zone that lives outside the north side neighborhood. And it appears from the map that, that there are historic protections on almost everything in the north side neighborhood that is currently zoned RSN 12. So again, you know, the slide started out, why do we need this? And when I saw that, I said, yes, that's what I wanna know. Why do you need this? And I'm not compelled that it is necessary to do it and still preserve the character of the neighborhood, which I am absolutely in favor of. So um, that's what I feel right now. All right. And I'll be voting uh, yes on this deferral for two reasons. Number one, since there's a misunderstanding about the application of this um, request from the Northside Neighborhood Association. I think that just needs to be clarified, make sure everybody's on the same page. And overall, fundamentally, neighborhood integrity and character is a high priority of mine. Um, 
you know, the whole city can't be taken over by rentals and profit motives. There has to be a place for people who live, who work in this community and plan to stay here and contribute and be good neighbors over time. So any further discussion? Okay. All those in favor of the motion, please signify by saying aye. 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 Those opposed, please signify by saying nay. Nay. So we have the vote is uh, six ayes, one nay, with Padron being the nay. And the motion is deferred until the second meeting in October. Next item on the agenda is consideration of meeting minutes for October, for August 2nd, 2023. <laughs> October. Oh. Uh, are there any major additions or corrections to these minutes? Hearing none, can we have a motion for approval? So move. Motion by Elliot. Is there a second? Second. Second. Second by Craig. Any discussion? All those in favor of approving the August 2nd minutes, please signify saying aye. 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 Those opposed, signify by saying nay. Hearing no nays, it's approved seven to zero. Item number seven, planning and zoning information. Anne. Um, the only thing I wanted to mention is that I had forwarded you an email from the Corridor Community Action Network, and they're hosting an event, a community engagement festival on Sunday, August 27th. And they invited boards and commissions to be part of that if um, the commission is interested in having a table and talking to other volunteers in the community. Any updates for members of the commission? I have one. Last uh, meeting, remember when Susan brought up about the AARP and some of their information that they had on ADUs? There, I received an email today about a slide presentation that I went through that talks about the benefits and what ADUs are. So I just, it's just a really a great <laughs> reference site for people. So you really tapped into something there. That's AARP? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any more updates for anybody? Seeing none, is there a motion for adjournment? So moved. Motion second. by Townsend, second by Elliot. Discussion? All those in favor of adjournment, signify by saying aye. 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 Those opposed, signify by saying nay. Hearing no nays, motion passes unanimously and we're adjourned. Thank you. Any Thank chance you. we can get over?